Man, it's so good to be back with you guys. How was y'all's spring break? How was it? Man, was it that boring? Oh my gosh, that's terrible. I'm glad I didn't hang out with you for spring break. Man, so listen, it's good to finally be back with you guys and uh, kicking off a new series. It's always, uh, it's always a really good time uh, to kick off a new series and just kind of dive into God's Word, something fresh, something fun. And uh, this one uh, that we're about to go through for the next few weeks, it's one of those to where I've never, um, I've never personally uh, led one like this before. Um, I've never even heard one led like this before, talking about Enneagrams and stuff like that. And so anybody into Enneagrams in the room by any chance? Anybody? I mean, just a, a few. Yeah, so, so, so <laughs> it's, it's a fun thing to look at. Um, it's fun to dive into. And, and as, I'm, as I'm studying Scripture and studying, like trying to prepare these lessons, it was really interesting to kind of form a sermon off of Enneagrams, right? And so you're like, how in the world do you do that? So basically what we're going to do every single week is we're going to take a miracle of Jesus and dive into it. And so throughout, there's going to be three different types of miracles, a miracle tonight, next week, and then the next week. And so every week of our series. And so throughout uh, each, each, each miracle, we're going to kind of dive through the different personalities inside the miracles, right? And so you're like, man, I've never heard of, heard of anything like that. And so it kind of brings scripture to life because throughout all these miracles, what you see is people's personalities at work for the glory of God. It, that, that's pretty much what you see is as you dive into these miracles and these stories, you see people using their gifts, using their talents, using their abilities to glorify God. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5 with me tonight. Uh, it's going to be on the screen or if you have it on your phone or uh, maybe you have a copy of God's Word. Luke chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 17 through 26 tonight. And so we're going to be talking about three different types of Enneagrams each, each week. And so tonight is Enneagram 1, 8, and 9. And so I don't know if you guys really uh, dove into to our little test uh, on Instagram or not and kind of took your Enneagram test or not, but kind of seeing who you are. But the whole basics of, of this whole series is for you to, to get involved, right? And so for you to serve. So this is all this is not an Enneagram series. It's not about you. It's not about making you a better person, making you, you know, a more, more mindful person, whatever the case may be. It is literally about how does my personality fit in for the glory of God? How do I serve the church? How do I serve different ministries for the glory of God? And so as we dive into these Enneagrams, that's why you have your uh, piece of paper with you, your, your little uh, pamphlet with you, is because what we gave you in that pamphlet is every single thing that Cottage Hill offers, right? And so maybe as we're going through this for the next few weeks, you're thinking, well, I think I would, I would best fit in the preteen ministry, in the student ministry, in, in the kids ministry, on, on our campus on Dolphin Island, our campus downtown on Sunday mornings, like wh- whatever the case may be. And so we wanted to give you practical steps as we dive into this. All right, I know my Enneagram is this. I know I fit into this category. This is how I take the next step. This is how I serve the church, right? And so that is our plan all throughout this. Some people have went as far as uh, becoming a member of the church, which I highly encourage you to do that. If you're in this season of life as a college student, become a member, like get involved. You're accountable now, whether it's for a semester, whether it's for four years, get involved, do that kind of stuff. Or whether it's you're like, I don't know if I want to take that step or not, just simply get involved in some type of ministry. That's what God calls us to do. So look with me in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. It's going to be a story that's probably... Uh, very well known to you, something you, you heard of growing up, but it's about a paralyzed man, and Jesus forgives him and, and heals him. So verse 17 says this. One day, 
Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this before uh, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking. Isn't that funny how Jesus knew what they were thinking? That's kind of freaky, isn't it? And asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? He like calls them out. Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. But I want, you to know, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So throughout Enneagram 1, 8, and 9, which is called the acting Enneagrams, right? As people, on, like on the internet, on the Google, as we like to call it, uh, they, they call this the acting uh, types of Enneagrams, 1, 8, and 9. There's a few takeaways from this scripture uh, for people in this category tonight. Number one, you'll do whatever it takes for someone to experience Jesus. And this is really cool inside of this story, right? Like the, these people, they'll do whatever it takes to experience Jesus. And I, as I was like, as I was diving into this and like creating this lesson, I could just think of people in my head, like inside of our college ministry, like right now in the room right now. And I'm like, dude, this is literally accurate, like, right? Because you could see this in this story that people, they went to extraordinary measures to, for this man to experience Jesus. So verse 19, as we dive into this, we see this. Verse 19 says it like this, when they could not find a way to do this, because of the crowd, and normally that's, that's a period, right? They could not find a way to do it because of the crowd, so most people would be like, all right, well, I can't do it. The crowd's too big. The odds are, are too high against me. I'm just not going to do it. No. The, the, these people, they say, uh, whenever they couldn't do it because of the crowd, comma, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. So this is what we see of people that you'll do whatever it takes for someone to experience Jesus, right? You know there's going to be things come up in your life, but you will do, you're, you're the personality, you're the type of person that says, I know all this is coming against me, but I need to get the job done. I know I have a mission. I know I have an assignment from heaven, and I'm going to do that, right? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill what God has for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill this because it's my personality, right? It's my personality to let people see Jesus inside of my life. And if I fail at that, then, man, think of what's at stake, man. Like, are they, are they going to see Jesus? Are they going to get to Jesus if we ignore and we stop and we put a period where there should be a comma? I know it's a big deal. I know it's hard, but we got to keep going. I love how the CSB Study Bible put it. This quote, they said, The effort the friends of the paralyzed man go to in order to bring him to Jesus certainly shows determination and a confidence in Jesus. Have you ever noticed this? Like how there is a lot of effort in their momentum right? That it's not just action. It's not just saying, hey, I want to do this, or hey, we want to get this done. There's effort. Like, there's effort in what they want to do. So there's a paralyzed man. There's a story of these friends trying to help him, but there's also effort going on at the same time. And so they know that, listen, to bring him to Jesus, there has to be determination, and there has to be a confidence in Jesus, right? And so this Enneagram type says, listen, I'm going to do whatever it takes 
to get you to Jesus, whether that's on my campus, whether that's where I work, whether that's in my friend group. Listen, it doesn't have to be with a paralyzed man, people, right? It doesn't have to be with a paralyzed man. It could be whatever situation you're going through in life. As you are going through these stages of life, you have to see that there is a point inside of your life to where you have to have determination. You have to have effort to get people to Jesus. There, there has to be effort made in order to get people to the cross. It doesn't come easy. It comes with a price. It comes with a hefty price tag, right? And so the cross is one of those things to where there was a lot of, of, of effort exerted by Jesus, but there also has to be, looking back on the cross, a lot of effort exerted by us getting people to the cross, right? And so there, there's, there's like a two-way street here. As Jesus has done all this, we have to do our part to get people to Jesus. It's not the most popular thing to do to follow Jesus. So you have to put effort, you have to put forth determination, and there has to be most of all confidence that Jesus will be faithful. Jesus will give them way more than what they've been bargaining for in their life, way more than sin could ever give them, way more than they could ever ask for. Jesus can give it to them. So here's what we know of Enneagram once. They don't let opposition stop them. They find a way to make it work. And this is what I love. Right, I swear, whenever I take the Enneagram test, I think I'm like a bunch of different things. I, Jamie, like, complains at me, but I'm like, I, I really do. Like, I feel like I'm all over the map. Anybody else feel that way? Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm all over the map. I'm like, I'm, I'm a three, I'm a seven. I want to think of myself as this, right? Like, I, I, I want to I think of myself as, right? And so you see, with these people, I love this with the Enneagram ones, because they do whatever it takes. They don't let a setback stop them. In other words, they put a comma where the world wants a period, they put a comma where Satan wants a period. They, they keep the sentence going whenever Satan says, no, I'm going to throw this at you. I'm going I'm to put this in your life. I'm going to put this opposition in your life. I'm going to let you run into an atheist who is hardcore, and they're not going to give you the time of day. So therefore, you're going to feel like a failure. No, they're like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to keep going. This, this is my paralyzed man. I know there's a roof ahead of me. I, I know there's all these things going on inside of my life, but I'm going to do what it takes to get this person to Jesus. So Enneagram 1, they don't let it stop them. They find a way to make it work. Now, is it going to be the same? No. Every Enneagram 1 is going to be different. Whatever your Enneagram is, uh, if you're 1 especially, you're going to say, all right, well, I'm a 1, and I'm going to make it work in this type of way. And this other person says, well, I'm a 1 too, but I'd make it work in, in this type of way. It all depends on what is the context of my situation, right? What, who is the person I'm dealing with? Is the person open to me right now? Should I, should I hold off for right now? Should I, how, how soon should I pursue them? It all depends on who you're working with, who you're dealing with, but the bottom line is you're going to make it work. You're going to get people through the ceiling to Jesus. So as an Enneagram one, use your personality to get people to Jesus, right? Use it to leverage your life and your personality for Jesus. See, it's not that you're not capable. It's not that you don't have what it takes. No, Jesus has proven, like, I've given you what it takes. Like, as I was knitting you together in your mother's womb, I made you an Enneagram one for a reason, and as I made you an Enneagram One, you need to understand, like, I made you that for a reason, so your personality, you need to shape that in such a way that you don't have excuses, but you say, all right, God, how do you want it to work? Because I know so-and-so in my life, they, they, they need you. There's opposition, there's sin, there's temptation, there's all these things going against me, God, but I, I am going to make this work, right? And so what is the definition of the reformer in Enneagram One? Here it is. Strong-willed and justice-oriented, willing to make a stand for what you care about. Strong-willed, justice-oriented. Anybody strong-willed in here? 
And if you lie, your mama's going to call you out, right? Because she knows you're strong-willed, right? And so this is what we see of an Enneagram 1. And it could be good or bad to be strong-willed. Jamie will tell you there's a lot of times I'm strong-willed, right? And so listen, but I think it's always good, good things that I'm strong-willed. But listen, the reformer is strong-willed, justice-oriented, willing to make a stand for what you care about. Here's the deal. We, we, don't, we don't have a problem, I believe, in this generation with taking a stand. I think we have a problem with taking a stand for the right things. Because there's a lot of people taking a stand for all the wrong things. So at what point are we going to use our personality and we know that, listen, we don't care. We don't, we don't care what people think, so we'll go out, we'll do this, we'll sleep with this person, we'll drink this, we'll do whatever. We don't care. No, it's not that you have trouble taking a stand. It is the whole idea of, what are you taking a stand for? And, and that's, what, that's what Jesus is trying to, to tell us in this scripture in verse 19. As a reformer, you need to take a stand, not just take a stand, but take a stand for, for what is right. So the second takeaway is this. You're not satisfied until people get what they need. I love this word satisfied, right? Like you, you're, there's no satisfaction inside you until the person that you're working with gets what they, what they need from Jesus Christ. Verse 20, scripture goes along, and it's very short. It says this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven, right? You're like, man, that, that's, a, that's a simple, simple phrase. But have you ever thought about this? In this specific miracle with the paralyzed man, right? Like with, 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 him, with him coming down, with, with, with all this thing happening, with everything, could you just imagine a paralyzed man dropping through the ceiling right now, right? And that is the situation we're in right now. And so like as we're in this situation, we see that these folks, they're, they're not satisfied with getting people close to Jesus. Like they're not satisfied with getting people on the outskirts of Jesus. They're not satisfied with getting people somewhat near Jesus. And I believe in Christianity today, we, we've made it that way. We're so laid back and we're so carefree, whether it's sin or temptation, whatever the reason is, that we are so easily happy and satisfied when people are simply close to Jesus. They've never had an encounter with Jesus. They've never met Jesus, but they're simply close to him. And so as Christians, we've withered away, and we've said, listen, as long as I get them, as long as I get them close, as long as I have a conversation, no, that's the starting point, but you've got to understand, you, you can't be satisfied until they get what they need. You're thinking, well, what did they need? They needed verse 20. Friends, your sins are forgiven. And isn't it interesting how his sins were the first thing that Jesus dealt with, and the miracle came later, Right? Is, is that not interesting to us tonight, how Jesus, listen, yes, it's great to have a physical miracle, but my gosh, a spiritual miracle? We're all in need of those. And so verse 20 comes along, and, and it kind of slaps you in the face, right, and tells you, hey, you know what? We're not going to be a group. We're not going to be individuals that are just happy and satisfied that, that this, is, this is happening or this person, uh, that they got close to them, but, man, they just they straight away, well, go get them. Don't be satisfied. Go get them. Like, take them back. Make some effort to go get the people. I love how this uh, CSB Study Bible, they continue to, to write this. They said this, This reminds us that only God can solve our sin problem. We can't even forgive ourselves because we don't have the power and authority to forgive ourselves. So do you see that? That these people in this story, they're a simple conduit to what Jesus wants to do. These folks know and understand. These men, these friends, they know they can't save this person. They can't forgive him of his sins. They can't make him a new creation. Who can? Only Jesus can, right? And they knew this stuff. They knew that, listen, only God can give them what they need. And I think this is where we fail a lot because you put so much pressure on yourselves. And I know you because you invite so many people, all of you. You bring people, which is why we're in a crowded room tonight. 
You bring people, you're all the time, all the time asking people to come to church, and that is a great thing. But understand, listen, it is not on your shoulders to save people. It is not on your shoulders to perform the miracle. It is on your shoulders to go after and put forth the effort to get them to the one who can perform these miracles. So as, as Enneagram 8, they care intensely about justice, so they will be as selfless as possible to get people to verse 20. And I think all tonight, I think that is our goal, right? They will be as selfless as possible to get people to verse 20. You're like, why does verse 20 matter? Because that's where the real miracle happened. Because the, the, these men, right, these men, they knew someone in the group had to be a reformer. Someone in the group had to be a challenger. Someone in the group had to play their different parts. And as they did that, that ended them up in verse 20. And can you imagine just the eruption that happened because his sins were forgiven? Not just because a miracle was about to take place. They knew Jesus. They, knew, they had heard about him. They knew Jesus. But ultimately, think about these guys. Why would you do all that work? And you simply get a physical miracle without a spiritual miracle. So these guys, they, they know, right? Enneagram 8s, they care about justice. So they will be selfless to the point of, I'm going to give it up. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to be an example. I'm going to leave this behind in order to follow this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn away from this in order to turn to this. In other words, I have to be selfless. This life isn't about me anymore. It is about that person who needs to get to verse 20. And every single one of us in the room right now, we know a person that is thirsting for verse 20. We know someone in our class. We know someone in our circle. We know someone on the field. We know someone everywhere you go who needs verse 20, right? And so all of our goals, no matter what Enneagram we are in the room right now, all of our goals should be, have I got that person to verse 20 yet? Have I got that person to experience the forgiveness of Jesus? So as an Enneagram 8, you need to keep your ambition in check. And this is kind of funny. Keep it in check and use your strengths for the good of others. And remember, it's about people seeing Jesus, not you getting your point across. This is where I struggle, right? Especially the first part of this. Keep your ambition in check, right? Some of you are just straight up ambitious in the room tonight, right? Which is not a bad thing at all. But as an Enneagram 8, you need to understand, right, like as you live your life, don't let your ambition get the best of you. Don't let your ambition outweigh the mission. Don't, don't let your ambition outweigh what heaven is trying to do. Sometimes you have to be patient. Patience is my very least favorite thing on this planet. Sometimes you have to say, all right, all right, I know, I know good and well I have ambition. I know it's a good thing. However, how am I using my ambition? Am I using it for the good of people, or am I just annoying people to the, to the straight point of they're just turning away from the church, right? Like, I have, to, I, have to care, I have to care about my ambition. Keep it in check. I'm not saying to not use your ambition. I'm saying use it for the good of others and for the glory of God. In other words, ask yourself, am I on the right track with where Jesus wants me, right? Am I on the right track, or am I plowing over people acting like I just don't care, and they're turning away from the church every single day, right? Like, keep your ambition in check, but at the same time, use your ambition for the glory of Jesus. So the challenger, here it is, straightforward, even aggressive leader who comes, cares intensely about justice, right? And so you're, you're, you're this leader who cares about doing the right thing, right? So that this Enneagram... Uh, Challenger is this eight. Uh, really, what we see inside of this scripture is: listen, you're going to be you're going to be straightforward. Again, a lot of you have no problem with being straightforward tonight, right? Right? Yeah, 
Your best friend, they have no problem being straightforward. Your girlfriends, they have no problem being straightforward, right? So here's the deal. We, we, know, we know it's okay. It's okay to be straightforward, but at the same time, how am I using this? How am I using this for the glory of God? And am I using my Enneagram in a way that points people to Jesus, or are they just tired of hearing from me? Are they tired? Of, like, am I one of those people where I'm walking down the hallway or walking down the sidewalk, going to my next class, and the person I just talked to the past five or ten times about Jesus, do they just turn away and bolt from me? Like, we, don't, we don't want that, right? So keep your ambition in check, and remember, you need to have another conversation. Keep it open in, in such a way that says, listen, I'm going to gauge by the Holy Spirit, like Pastor Allen talks about. I'm going to gauge, what is the Holy Spirit doing in my life? Is it giving me time? Is it giving me more, like telling me to have patience? What is the Holy Spirit doing? But ultimately, leave it up to the fact that I can come back and have a conversation with this person. This person actually enjoys talking to me. This person actually enjoys like being friends with me, right? And so keep it in check. Remember, it is okay to have ambition, but check your ambition at the door, right? Don't, don't use too much of it. Number three, third takeaway, you love connecting with people. Oh, and this is good because I love connecting with people. It's good stuff. So you love connecting with people. Verses 22 through 24, they say it like this. So this is after his sins are forgiven. This is getting into the physical miracle. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. You love connecting with people. Listen, I think one of my favorite things about Cottage Hill College, right, is our door holders. Like, I, I love the people who were willing to say, I don't care what kind of day I've had. I don't care what in the world, how, how bad it's been. I was talking to a student earlier, and he's in the room, like, about how, how bad his morning was, right? His morning was just bad. He's like, dude, I ain't had a morning like this in forever. Like, it was just bad. But you know what they do is they, they swallow it up. They swallow their pride, and they're like, listen, okay, I'm here to make people connect with Jesus. I'm here to open the door for people. I'm here to care about people. I'm here to make a connection with people. Because here's what you need to understand, is that many salvation stories, they start with a simple connection inside of your life. Now, I'm going to be careful, and I'm not going to say all salvation stories, because you hear these stories inside of Scripture and from missionaries in third world countries to where God reveals himself, and it's just a crazy story, right? And so it's not an actual connection with another human being. But many, many stories, odds are, in our culture, Salvation stories are going to start with a connection. Salvation stories are going to start with someone who actually care about another person, right? And so someone, and even in our group right now, many of you have come to salvation and you've come to serve in this place. You serve on Wednesday nights. You even serve on Sundays at our different campuses. You're serving a lot. Why? Because someone made a connection with you. Because someone on campus said, hey, you know what? I'd love for you to go to Cottage Hill with me because you locked somebody in your car and you were carpooling and you're like, they can't go anywhere, so I'm going to use this for my benefit and say, hey, like, I would love for you to go to church. You thought we were going to Walmart, but we're really going to church. And they ended up having a connection with Jesus, right? Like, I tell you, I encourage you to do that. It works, right? And so there's so many different connection stories in the room. You know it's true. Listen, if you ain't tried it, you should. They can't go anywhere, right? It's their life at stake. They're not going to jump out of the car. And so like you, you think this stuff, and so you got to get smart. How am I connecting with people, right? Am I evangelizing while I got somebody locked in the car? Am I, am I evangelizing while I'm with somebody in the coffee shop, this random person in car pay? Am I, am I talking to them, right? Like what, what, what is the deal? The point is, you got to make that connection point. People, most people, if not all in our culture, are not going to come to Jesus until they have a connection with a face that actually cares, with a heart that connects with their heart, right? And this is what we see. 
through Enneagram 9s. They will most likely greet you with a smile and make you feel welcome long before they tell you their agenda. I love it because they're sneaky, right? Because they have an agenda. They do. Whether you're in the car with them and they, they kind of take you somewhere else that you don't think you're going, or whether you're on campus, or whether you're you know, eating, eating lunch, or whatever the case may be, they have an agenda in mind, right? They, they have something in mind. They know what they're going to do. They know. They're sneaky, right? They know. But you know what they're gonna first going to do? They're going to first smile at you. They're first going to hold that door open for you. They're first going to say, hey, I'd, I'd like to buy you that coffee, right? They're first going to say, hey, I would love to, to, to go, what, whatever, whatever. Let's go, let's go have lunch. Let's go have coffee. They're first going to make that connection. They're first going to smile at you. And I love it because as I was making this, I was thinking of these people in my mind. I'm like, dude, we have these people all over the place. We have them. Jesus uses people to show other people who he is. So as an Enneagram 9, be encouraged that people always, and you need to highlight that word always, they always need your positive attitude. I love it, man. Listen, in a world that says you always got to be depressed or be anxious, these people, they're like, listen, I'm going to leave that at home, and as I go out, I'm going to show you that it's okay, I'm going to make a choice, and I'm going to be happy, right? In a world that tells you that you got to be upset about everything, that you got to just think that everybody's against you in the world, in a world that tells you, hey, gas is $4 a gallon, you should be upset about it, in a world that tells you, hey, man, things are falling apart, in a world that tells you, hey, this, 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 listen, there are these people that come and they say, listen, it is not about me, and I'm going to show you who Jesus is, right? And so as a nine, people always need your positive attitude. Nobody wants to be around a Debbie Downer. I can't stand a David Downer, right? Let's just be honest tonight. I can't. I can't. I'm like, listen, you have to step out of your attitude. Come on, life is better. You're breathing. You're here. You're with me, most importantly. That is what it's all about, right? Like, you, you, have, you have to show people that it is okay. It is always a good thing to show people the Enneagram 9. Show them a smile. Show them something they should be happy about. Make their day. So the peacemaker, they connect with others and make them feel at ease. They care about helping others reconcile with God and each other. Isn't this so cool, right? Like they're going to they're reconcile with you, right? They're, they're the peacemaker. But ultimately, they have an agenda. So ultimately, their job is not to say, hey, hey I made a new friend. I got a new follower. Like, it's great. Like, we snap every day, man, right? Like, it's, it's good stuff. No, no, their agenda is... They need to be reconciled with Jesus. And my goal is going to be verse 20. My goal is going to be for them to hear, for them to know, for them to feel the weight of, friend, your sins are forgiven. So the peacemaker, man, they may, they may smile at you. They may hold the door open for you. They may tell you, man, life is great. Like, I've walked on lilies all day. It has been incredible. I don't know briars in my life. There are no hard times. Like, listen, but listen, here's the deal. They will have an agenda. They will tell you, hey, there's a greater purpose as to why I'm acting like this. There's a greater person as to why I'm acting like this. So Enneagram 9s, go all out, man. Like, go, go get your people, right? So there's a fourth takeaway. What's the big deal? It's going to end with a question. What's the big deal about Enneagram 1, 8, and 9 working together in these scriptures? Look with me as we close out, verses 25 and 26. So it says, Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Do you see this? This isn't just a series about saying, hey, you know what? You need to work on yourself. You need to make yourself a better person. It's not even about your specific Enneagram. But every week, we're going to discover how we work together. 
how we work together for the greater cause of what Jesus has, has, has called us to do, right? How do we work together as an eight, as a nine, as a, as a seven, as a one, whatever the case, how do we work together to get people to verse 20? Here it is. You can see the sequence of events as the band comes up. They're about to lead you in a time of invitation. Number one, the man experienced a miracle. That's what we see. As they work together, have you, have you ever seen this before? The man, he experiences a miracle. I, I love this. In verse 25, it says, immediately. So like, he didn't just say, hey, Jesus, I, I would love for you to kind of work in my life. That'd be great. No, Scripture is specific. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. So we see because these people, because these men were working together, he, he experienced a miracle from Jesus himself. And I, I could, I, I just, I wonder, it's one of those times when you're studying scripture, right? And, and you, you look at it and you wonder, like, I, I wonder what verse 18 was like. Like when you, when you go back to verse 18, it says some men were carrying a paralyzed man. And that's where it starts. I wonder who the initiator was in this moment. I wonder what this situation looked like. There had to be the person that said, hey, bro, I, I've been seeing you laying on the ground for all these years. I, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love for you to come with me. Remember the peacemaker? Hey, bro, I'm going to smile at you, and i got a hidden motive, and I'm going to take you to Jesus, but I just need you to come with us, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to need you to trust me right now, right? And if somebody had to get him through, someone had to, had to get him to Jesus, someone had to get him to verse 20, and so the man, he experienced a miracle. Number two, the man and everyone around learned how to praise God. This is a big deal tonight. Listen, as we go on, and we see this, verse 26, or last part of verse 25, he went home praising God. Then verse 26, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. So we see the man, what did he do? The first action after he picked up his mat, he what? He praised God. Number two, what do we see? Verse 26, and it goes from the man to everyone. Everyone was amazed and what? Praised God, right? They praised him. So it wasn't just about what the man received, it's about what Jesus was worthy of receiving. And so as you look at people in your life, it's not about just what they need, what they want, what they're praying for. No, Jesus, he's worthy of it. Jesus is worthy. Like, they, he, he wants their praise. He wants them to learn how to praise him. That's why we do what we do. Number three, everyone saw Jesus. Everyone saw Jesus. The scripture goes on. It says, they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. And I, I could just, I could bet, like, if I were a betting man, I could bet. We have seen remarkable things. Remarkable. I could almost guarantee you they're not talking about a simple physical miracle. No, they're saying we have seen someone being reconciled to Jesus Christ. We have seen a verse 20 moment take place and his sins were forgiven. Why? Because they all worked together. They all were joined in with the mission of God. So just think about it. Think about if all of us, if we just did our part, people, right? If we just went out, if we looked at this pamphlet and said, man, gosh, strangely, I love preteens. Strangely, I love to work with kids, right? There's a few of you out there. Man, for some reason, they stink, but I love working with college students sometimes, man. I, I, I love it. It's great, right? I, I love working with high schoolers, right? There's a few of you in here. Listen, think about it. As you open your pamphlet, look at it through the eyes of, man, I belong there. 
Why? Because my, my personality, it matters. Why? It matters because people need to see him. People need to have an interaction with Jesus Christ. And who knows, man, one of those stinky college students or, or students in high school, they may experience Jesus because of you. Those preteens, man, they had a Nerf war tonight. They may shoot you with a Nerf gun, man, but they may experience Jesus because of you. So my question is, man, why are you slacking? Why are you not serving? So as we go into this invitation time, this band's gonna lead us. And we're about to close out. But listen, I encourage you guys, like you do every week, fill this altar, fill it. If you know where you need to be serving, ask God to forgive you and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't been doing this, but I ask that you would give me what I need in order to step out and serve. I know I'm busy, I know I've got a lot going on, but God, I know I need to serve in your church. If you don't know where you need to serve still, we got a couple more weeks left. Come ask God for wisdom, ask God for guidance. Ask him, God, where, where do I need to be serving? Where do you want me in order for someone to see verse 20? Where do you want me? No matter who you are, make your way to this altar. Talk to God. Ask him, God, what direction do I go in? Y'all pray with me. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for making us all different. We thank you for making us unique, as your scripture says, God, and, and wonderful, and, and God, just you love us. And God, you're so creative because you have all these different things in mind for us, God, and, and you, you love us as we are. But God, what we don't want to do tonight is leave this place, leave this place, God, just simply catering to ourselves. God, I ask you that you would start a fire inside of every person's soul in the room right now, God. That God, they will learn to be selfless. They would learn to have verse 20 as a mantra of their life. They would learn to have this verse as the core part of their being, God. Not just for them, but God, for their friends, for their circle, for their people. Oh God, we all know people who are thirsting for your forgiveness, even if they don't know they're looking for it. So God, use Cottage Hill College. God, use every single one of us. God, use us as a big group. Use us as individuals, God. All for your glory, God, all for your fame, all for someone's forgiveness to be reconciled with you. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.